Morning Show with Ken Kidney. Good morning, good evening, good night, and welcome to a brand new edition of The Weekend Show. You'll be happy to know I am joined, as always, by my alluring co-host, Garrett. That's mysterious. You lured me here because there's a Pokestop at your house. There is. It's a, it's a statue. It's a very nice Pokestop. That's what I like about the Pokestops. I know we're talking about Pokemon Go in a minute, but it's like weird street art, statues, kind of random little plaques commemorating something. Yeah, it's kind of cool that they're crowdsourced so that like yeah. people like assign areas of importance in their own city and like stop and smell the roses so to speak because it's not like niantic sitting over there and i assume somewhere in seattle where's google based google uh, probably no, microsoft yeah. is in seattle probably silicon valley yeah so i assume niantic is over there too just like what's important in cork the, the these three ballerinas on a wall outside a ballerina studio in the middle of blackpool yeah when i first saw that pokestop which is just outside our, our house here i was just like Surely they don't know this place. Yeah, how how do they know? But yeah, it's built on top of the original Ingress app and the the equivalent of Pokestops in that game were crowdsourced. Interesting. Yeah. But shall we move on? We'll talk about Pokemon Go in a minute. Well, okay. We're probably going to talk about Pokemon Go for most of this episode. <laughs> yeah, it'll, it'll weave its way in and out of our narrative this week. And the next few episodes of Podcast of Day are Pokemon Go. So it's like Weekend Show Network, Ken. All Pokemon Go all the time. Just like all other media is this week. It's the TWS network, Karen. Yeah, same thing. What does TWS stand for, Ken? Nothing anymore. It's, <laughs> it's just a brand now. Yeah. Coming up on the show this week, we take a whistle-stop tour through our favorite stories of the week in our Who News Best Blast. It's a bit of a change this week, yep. but we'll get on to that. You'll be treated to our top internet attractions in Netflix, and in our main segment, do-over returns as we attempt to save the box office disappointment that was The Good Dinosaur. We'll fix it. We'll fix it. We'll, or die trying. We'll go to war over fixing it. Lots of fun stuff in store, Gar. I'm sure you'll agree. But before we kick things off with some news, Gar, how art thou? Well, I was fine, Ken, until on the way down here, Ken, I was, of course, playing Pokemon Go like any reasonable human being on Earth is at the moment. Of course. And I came across a Zubat. And I was like, cool, it's a Zubat. So I was standing there in the middle of the, the, the footpath catching Pokemon while people were walking past me, looking at me with strange looks. And I'm like, I'm catching a Zubat here. Stop staring at me. And I threw my Pokeball at the Zubat, Ken, and it hit the Zubat and the, it, it engulfed the Zubat and the game crashed. Yeah, mine's crashed a couple of times. So it stalled and I could look around. I could see the Pokeball on the screen, but there was no update. There was nothing moving. It's like, where's my Zubat? Where's my Zubat? When it happened to me, the Pokemon was actually caught. So suck it. Yeah. And uh, like, uh, the Zubat was in the Pokeball, Ken. It was in the middle of the road. I've taken a screenshot of the Pokeball in the middle of the road. And I was like, where's my Zubat? And I, I restarted the app and I didn't have my Zubat. You should send a picture to Niantic and say, give him a damn Zubat. <laughs> give him a Zubat. Like, I have no problem with servers having issues because this game is being played by everyone on Earth at the moment. Mm -hmm. And there's like hackers that took credit for it. And I'm like, bullshit. Yeah. This game is down because shitloads of people are playing it. If you want me to believe you've hacked this game, call your shot. Yeah. Niantic has said themselves that they kind of knew it would be popular, but they underestimate how popular it yeah. would be. Everyone with a brain, because our first news story is about Pokemon Go anyway, or one of our first news stories. Yeah. But so every we won't, we won't go into too much detail, Gary, because yeah. we have to go there. Everyone with a brain knew this would be a big deal. It's yeah. Pokemon in the real world. It was always going to be a big deal. No one knew it would catch on quite as well as it has. It's become literally a global sensation, or at least everywhere it's been released. It was released in 26 countries yesterday, which is the reason the, reason the, the app has been kind of overwhelmed. 
Yeah. I do think it was a mistake on their part to release it in that many countries on a weekend because the surfers are probably going to be overwhelmed on a weekend anyway. Exactly, because people, lots of people have free time to do that, Pokemon that, Go. That's when people are just going to go like, I'm not working today. I'm going to go out and catch a Pidgey. I caught a Pidgey though, so I'm happy. The but Pidgey. yeah, I'm just I'm just upset that I was gypped out of my Zubat. Gary, we will install the Pokemon Go chat for now. Yeah. We will, we'll get back to it in Who News Best. I want my Zubat. Uh, anything else in your week, Gary? Zubat. Just Zubat? Just Zubat. Just pining over your lost Zubat. <laughs> yeah, which was like an hour ago. <laughs> I literally stood there for like five minutes hoping the, the, the game would load and I'd have my Zubat. And it's like, it's like screw the podcast, screw the weekend show. I'm just going to sit here. Fair. I know. Sorry, Ken. I wanted the Zubat. I was in London this week. No. Ah. Ah. Speaking of Pokemon Go, I said we'd move on, but anyway. Speaking of Pokemon Go, literally every second person I passed was playing Pokemon Go. In London. And that's a lot of people. Yeah, I saw I saw a few people on the way down. I should interview a few of them for a podcast today, actually. Like, hello, what are you, you doing? Would you like to talk to me, a stranger, about your Pokemon playing experiences? Yeah, I went to see Aladdin, the musical, on the West End from Disney. Is it a whole new world? It is a whole new world, but uh, um, slightly disappointed. Is this, yeah. You see... If you take Robin Williams out of Aladdin, yeah. Aladdin is not a great film. That's probably my problem because they're, like, in my mind, those songs should sound a very specific way. So like if they don't sound the way I think they should, then I'm not happy. And like the reason The Lion King works so well is because it's pretty amazingly staged. Yeah. Whereas is Aladdin is brilliantly staged. It is very well staged. The costumes are great. The choreography is there. I've never seen so much dance. The genie was fantastic. And so was Aladdin. Uh, the girl who played Ala- uh, Jasmine Jasmine yes I nearly said Aladdin there thanks girl thanks yep. for saving me uh, she's a former pop star so you know she was only okay she's not a real actress yeah but um, one of the things that kind of bugs me was they got rid of Abu really Abu yeah no she's, Abu. she's just not in the film or not in the stage show no um, replaced by three sidekick friends which kind of... Do you say sidekick or sidekick? Sidekick. Okay. Sidekick would be a bit of a reach. Different film. <laughs> but that stage show, damn it. You see, it kind of muddles things for me because, you know, when he's in danger, these friends go to save him. And then, well, that's, that was the point of the, the genie. Yeah. And kind of him having three friends kind of ruins the overall story because the whole point was that he was alone and he had nobody. Yeah. And he found a genie and the genie changed his life. Just so. a lonely orphan by himself with his monkey friend and his yeah. magic carpet. The magic carpet is also not a character in this. Oh, it's just a carpet. It's just a carpet appears for one scene. That's it. I suppose it's probably hard to to do that on a stage. Yeah, but um, I want to see a version. They kind of in Los Angeles. They used to have a version like a musical Aladdin show that was like forty five minutes long, and they had a person dressed up as the carpet that did like rhythmic dance to simulate a carpet. That must be fun. Yeah, so they should have done that. I think. But anyway, it's very warm today, by the way. It is very, very warm. I don't like it. Because it's the worst kind of warm, where it's super overcast, but it's also really humid. Yes. So melting. Like, li- literally, uh, we, we have drinks on the desk for the podcast, and you left the room for a moment, and when you came back, mine was gone. <laughs> yes. Um, speaking of hot, uh, obviously, to get around London, you have to go on the tube, yeah. which is underground. Mm-hmm. So it's like a furnace mm. being in there. So like, it's it's a great way of getting mm. around London, but like every time I had to go on the tube, I was just like... People, people, and other people in my breathing. personal space, and then I become acutely aware of how many people touch the railings and stuff every day, and then I got freaked out. Yeah, I, I'm actually weird about that. You know, if you like have a handle on a door, you know, the like kind of long handles as opposed to the sideward handles, the vertical handles. Yeah, I always grab it at the very top, 
Because yeah. on average, most people probably grab it in the middle. Because I'm paranoid about what people do. Germs. Yeah. I'm a little bit of a germaphobe, but it was a good. It was a few day, a good few days. Uh, besides the the melting on the tube, I went to see beautiful the Carol King musical. You're beautiful, Ken. I'll talk a little bit more about that in Netflix. You're Spoilers. beautiful. No, that's not one of the songs. You're beautiful. You're beautiful. It's true. Whatever happened to James Blunt? He's very active on Twitter. Ugh. He's big into burning people on Twitter. You should look up James Blunt's best tweets. Basically, he just likes to retaliate for people saying he's like a, a nobody now. Yeah. I've seen a bit of that. It was my birthday as well. That was the reason I was in London. You're very old. I'm 27 now. I didn't get to wish you happy birthday. You're 27. I am. You're so old. I know. <laughs> I just thought I just thought about it like and like I had my first slip the other day when someone, you know, I had to say my age and I was like 27. Yeah. <laughs> It'll happen for another like three months. Yeah. But it, it was just one of those things where just like college doesn't feel that long ago, but I've been out of college as long as I was in college now and early. Good God. Well, my degree anyway, my master's is another You're year. You're so old, Ken. You're in your late 20s. Late 20s. That's like... I feel... I your feel, life is coming to a stop. <laughs> I know. Maybe it's because I'm a big child, but I feel younger. I don't know. Yeah. Probably due to my childishness. And you see, I, I'm, I'm in now... I'm in mid-20s region now, Ken. You are. I'm in my mid-20s. <laughs> we have restored the, the three-year gap between all of us. Yes. That is the the, 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 the way I... Very good family planning on mom and dad's part. <laughs> Yeah, it's very good. We're nearly exactly three years apart, all three of us, me, you, and brother Ed. Yeah. Except it, ne- it was nearly perfect because we were all born in May, June, and July. Yeah. Except you were born in June and I was born in July. So it was May, July, June was yeah. the order they worked in. Damn it. God so damn close. it. Didn't plan it that well, did you? It's pretty good. Yeah, it's close enough. <laughs> Shall we have some stories, Gar? I suppose we should do the show itself. It's time again for our trek through our favorite stories in the week in... Who News Best? However, our weekly news roundup has had a little bit of a facelift. In a slight change to the format, we will simply present five headlines and offer our spontaneous hot takes before ranking them in order of awesomeness, which is totally a metric of quality, by the way, to decide who news best. And um, when we say hot takes, in, in the case of the first story, it's a pretty cold take at this stage. <laughs> it's, it's ice cold, but uh, it's, I, I was reaching. I was reaching. I'm sorry. Fair enough. And we didn't talk about it. We were off last week because we couldn't schedule a show because you were going to London. And I worked seven days straight as a result. Oh, well. Do you want to take us to the first one, Garp, when you finish your drink there? Yeah, Portugal won the Euros. It did. I feel, I'm, I'm happy for Chris. Chris, yeah. Chris Ronaldo. Yeah. Nice guy. People, he's, he's too easy to dislike. It's like, he's all right. Uh, things didn't go so well for him, Gary. He came off after 20 minutes with an injury, but uh, he still got to lift the trophy in the end. Yeah, and if it wasn't for him, they wouldn't have made it there. So it's not like, he, you know, oh, he doesn't deserve it because he didn't play in the final. Like, he, he carried that team. Going into the, the tournament, I would not have predicted Portugal. I would have predicted Portugal to kind of go pretty far because they do have a pedigree of doing well in you the see, Euros. Yeah, most people wrote them off out of hand. But, yeah. like, Portugal have made the semis of the Euros, I think, for the last five years. Yeah. Five times, yeah. Yeah, five, five euros. And the other time they made the quarterfinals. So it's, yeah. it's not like they don't have a history of doing well in these tournaments. Yeah. But they were always kind of the bridesmaids, never the bride. And uh, they finally rectified that yep. with a shock 1-0 victory over the host France. Yep. Uh, I wouldn't have said it's a shock. Not a shock. They were underdogs. But it's like Portugal yeah. could beat France on their day any day. For me, the shock came because it was France and home soil. And the last two ho- tournaments they've hosted, they've won. And last three. Three, is it? Two euros and a World Cup. Wow. I think. No, it's two. Okay. It's around 1984, 1988. I've done my research here. All right. But, uh, yeah. Well, this is the third tournament they posted. Yeah. yeah. But, um, 
there's that, and they had. More, I thought they had more firepower, but Griezmann really did not show up in the final. Well, yeah. Well, he's yeah. You know, Portugal are resolute. They didn't concede that many goals, except against Hungary. They they conceded lots of goals against Hungary, but generally Portugal didn't concede a lot of goals in the tournament. They were sturdy. Yeah. They won two, uh, one game, in fact. I, mean, I was going to say two, but I, I, I forgot the final went to extra time as well. Yep, they won one game in, in regular time. Yeah, against Wales. Yep. So Wales were the only team that came undone against Portugal. But they were organized, very solid defensively, took their chances. And, you know, some people... Didn't might, lose. Some people might argue that, you know, they're only, only in the knockout stage because of the, the, the third place rule. But that was the rules of the tournament. <laughs> That's the way the tournament works. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they only got through to the knockout stages because of the rules of the tournament. Ooh. They only got through because they qualified. Yeah. But, they fulfilled uh, the criteria put down in front of them. You know, maybe they weren't the best team in the tournament, but they were the last one standing, and that's all that matters. They didn't lose the game either. Nope. Fair enough, they didn't win one. Well, they won one, but they didn't lose any either. And they didn't, didn't really have an easy route to the final. I mean, they had a pretty easy semi-final. Well, they, they wouldn't have made it out of the other side of the draw. Yeah. As, as I said on podcast today, the day of the final, Iceland accidentally handed Portugal a decent chance at winning the Euros yeah. by scoring that last-minute winner against which, Austria. Which, which they took with both hands. Yep, which sent Iceland into the top side of the draw. And Iceland won't have a problem. They had a, they had a good tournament. They beat England, got to the, the quarterfinals. It's good for Iceland. <laughs> but it sent Portugal into the easier side of the draw, which, fair enough, Portugal, they had to beat Poland, Croatia, and Wales. They, they aren't bad teams, but it's not having to beat England or France or Italy. Or Germany. England, though. Well, England would have been a tougher game than, say, Poland. Yeah. And England did beat Portugal before in the friendlies before the tournament. So that was a Cristiano Ronaldo list Portugal. So congrats to Portugal. Yep. Well done. Ronaldo is not Messi. No. He's won an international tournament. Messi's lost four finals. Yeah. Quitter. Yeah. They quit like a baby. Ronaldo lost a, a European Championships final to Greece. Yeah. When he was 19 years old. He cried his eyes out. Yeah. But he's not like, I'm going to quit. I'm taking my ball and going home. He's like, no, I'm going to go do it again and again and again. Because they made the freaking the, the semis of the World, the, the World Cup, didn't they? They did in 2006. Yeah. So it's like they picked himself back up, made, made semis of that tournament, made semis of like another two tournaments until they finally got to, got to Euro 2016 and got his trophy. Do you think they can build on this towards two years time in Russia? Gar? No, no, no. Because <laughs> <laughs> Ronaldo is getting older and they really don't have a great team. This was the kind of their moment. Yep, this they had their time. I don't expect them to. Well, they'll do okay. They'll do okay. They're they're a handy side. Yeah. But now nah, I don't expect them to be like world beaters after this. This isn't two thousand eight Spain. No. This isn't a team that you look at and it's like this is a team that's going to dominate for a while. It's the start of a dynasty. Yeah, and th that dynasty has ended for Spain, and it's yeah. not going to start for Portugal. Of all the talents that Cristiano Ronaldo has, apparently he's also a prophet because apparently he predicted that either would score the, the winning goal in the final. Well, he, he says that. He said that in like halftime, in, in extra time. He said that to, to either. So, yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> if he said it before the tournament, fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe not so, not as prophetic as we, we think. It was interesting watching him on the sidelines. Like he, he felt every bit of that extra time period. Yeah. They were cutting the shots of him and he was just going nuts. The coach wasn't <laughs> even as invested as he was. Yep. But uh, fair play to him. Yep. Hats off. Our second headline, Gar, as if we haven't talked about it enough already. Pokemon Go catches all of our hearts. Do you like that? Yeah. That's yeah. good, isn't it? It's caught us all. I, I played some of it because uh, of server issues and it only launching yesterday. We couldn't, yeah. I, I couldn't do deep dives into it. Even uh, I was having some server issues on the way up. I was at the Pokestop, you know, the, the bridge a little, a little bit up the road. Yeah. That's a Pokestop. And it's, 
it wouldn't work. I was twirling the wheel. You know, you're the, if they twirl the spinny wheel, yeah, yeah. And nothing was coming out. It's like uh, oh. error. It's like God damn it! I want my pokeballs and perhaps an egg. Yeah, I'm actually quite proud of the fact that I've caught twenty Pokemon without leave without my apartment. <laughs> that's that's not bad. <laughs> Someone's just setting a lure by the the, the Pokestops, are they? Yeah. So um, yeah. So the whole point of it was get me outside, and you haven't done it, Niantic. You failed. Yeah. Whereas, whereas I've caught five, but um, yeah, I'll, after, uh, later tonight I'm going to go wandering, just just playing Pokemon. There has been a <laughs> bit of negative publicity in relation to this. Um, well, it's, I wouldn't say it's negative publicity. I think it, the people have been stupid. <laughs> <laughs> One thing, criminals are actually creating Pokestops in order to lure people into... Yep, you know, just camping Pokestops waiting for, for poor unsuspecting Pokemon fans to come along because people are the worst and that's why we can't have good things. And then robbing them in one way. Like not saying it's a it's good. And You're admiring their industry. Kind of. It's like I wouldn't even even thought of that in a million years. But like I suppose you know if you're a clever crook, then you can think of many ways to to part people with their Swindle belongings. Swindle poor people who are just out having some fun, having some fun out in a walk, catching some Pokemons. Yeah, Pokemons. So uh, you know there's a a lot of news stories. If I look at my Twitter feed, which I did earlier, I saw at least three of them going the pitfalls of playing Pokemon uh, Go. Yeah, all of all of the think pieces, the yeah. unbearable amount of think pieces about Pokemon Go, which points to my next point, Gard. Points to my next point. Go uh, on. Let's feel it. I'll just take a moment to think about how weird that sentence was. But anyway, the level at which it has permeated pop culture is immense. That. Not not even the level of take up and people playing it. That's the thing that surprised me the most. It's in the news every single day. Oh yeah, it was on RTE, and they're mm-hmm. like monoliths who who get pop culture seven years after it happened. <laughs> Vince McMahon tweeted about playing Pokemon Go. Well, he didn't. His interns did, but still. I know, but like he felt the important the need to be involved in it. Yeah, Hillary Clinton held held a campaign event at a Pokestop. <laughs> that's that's how how much this has permeated culture. Donald Trump has sent out a Pokemon parody ad, which is literally the worst thing I've ever seen. And three dead bodies, I think, have been found via people just playing Pokemon Go. (laughs) Well, that's a bad thing and a good thing. Who needs search parties? Yeah. Send kids out into the wild looking for a Growlithe and eventually they'll they'll find dead bodies. A lot of companies are using Pokemon Go to advertise now. Like, hey, look what we found in our our offices here. It's a Pikachu. Like, it was fake though. They had like the Pokemon Go Pokeball, but like, a Photoshop Pikachu, you can tell because it's not like a 3D Pikachu. It was like a 2D Pikachu. Yeah. Oh, st- companies trying to rip us off. Though I, I like the way, you know, the way like traditionally in like restaurants or, or petrol stations, there's like, you can't use the toilet unless you buy something. Mm-hmm. There's now some places that are like, you can't capture a Pokemon unless you buy something. <laughs> Clever. Yeah. On the other side of that is uh, people playing Pokemon Go in inappropriate places. I saw the Holocaust Museum one. Yeah. And it was a coughing as well. It wasn't just a Pidgey. It was a coughing in his Holocaust Museum, which was less than ideal. But yeah. And people were playing it at Ground Zero as well and stuff like that. So yeah. the, the inevitable signs saying Pokemon Go is not permitted here have gone up. Well, it, how can you stop people from playing it? How can you say it's not permitted here? If you if, I'm saying if you see people playing it, you can just tell them to move along, I guess. Yeah. Still, you can't stop people from playing it. Yeah. Um, it's not uh, law against playing a game in a public place. You know, <laughs> you, you, fair, fair enough. You you have property rights. You can yeah. kick people out. But yeah. a lot of the media has also been around the danger of Pokemon Go. There is no danger. Well, there is danger. You know, the, Pokemon you know, Go. As you said, the thing pieces. You know, people. One, apparently, one person nearly walked off a cliff because they were looking at their phone and not paying That's attention. Just people being stupid to the point where Niantic added the warning: "Remember to be alert at all times and stay aware of your surroundings." With little 
Gyarados popping in front of you at a bridge. Yeah. <laughs> Which is kind of ironic because they were walking off a cliff. So. Yeah. Don't let the Gyarados eat you. Uh, yeah, so they had to add that because people... Like, I, it's kind of sad that they kind of had to remind people to use common sense. <laughs> Don't be stupid, lads. Did you see, like, the, the Central Park stampede when a Vaporeon showed up? Yeah. It was amazing. <laughs> Was, was anybody hurt or was it just... I don't think so. But it was just like a hundred people running across the street into the middle of the park and running after a Vaporeon. It's just bizarre. <laughs> I love it's it. Like I a love wild it though. Appeared. Yeah, I love it. It's because like this, this is a thing like Pokemon for, for a portion of people has always been a thing. But, you know, for, for broader popular culture, it hasn't been a thing in 10 years, yeah. longer, 15 years, really. It was like, I've been playing Pokemon all the time since. I'm yeah. not one of these people who's like, I'm an adult. I shall not have joy in life. I shall not play things that are for children. Oh, look at that. It's terrible. The only thing I will play is spreadsheets. Yes. Playing my spreadsheets all the time. But I think um, they, they, Microsoft have hidden games in spreadsheets before. So go look for them. I think they held a hid Minesweeper, which is objectively the worst of all games. But still, yeah. Oh, I, I don't want joy and happiness. I've played Pokemon since, since, since it came out. It's got a great message as well. Obviously, it's promoting exercise, it's promoting, you know, togetherness and, you know, you know, communication and interchange between different people that you might not have usually talked to. So and like, yeah, there's a bunch of eggs in, in my, my Pokemon going at the moment and some of them need like 5k to walk them to hatch. Yeah. So get in your bicycle. <laughs> bicycle. He's on a bicycle. So yeah, Pokemon Go. We like it. I, I do. I think it's a really smart, neat thing. Don't go ruining it, people. And, like people are projecting like profits based on like it's in its craze stage. Yeah. Anyone who project, projects profits based on what it's doing at the moment is not understanding the fact that it's not going to go up from here. It's not going to stay at this level, though it is bucking trends. You know, on average, seven out of 10 people have played the game the next day rather than for most games it's only three out of ten you know you download the app and then you play it once you never touch it again yeah exactly. like most of these apps 30 percent uh, of the time people play it the next day for the average app uh 70 is pokemon go's average so it is bucking some trends but like by december you're gonna have a hardcore group of people who are like this is a cool thing and then you'll have some casual people who are like oh yeah i have a pokemon app on my phone that i forgot about <laughs> i'll play it now and again yeah but for the most part it'll settle into a steady state of kind of core users I mean, I read a statistic that said it's making 1.6 million on iOS in America alone per day. Yeah, I think that, that can't continue. I think that number's even gone up closer to five. Dear God. I know, yeah. That's, and that's the reason the serves. Like, that's the reason when, when the, those hacker group was like, oh, we've, we've taken down Pokemon Go. It's like, I don't believe you. You're lying. <laughs> I don't for a second believe that you took down an app because for the most part, I think it's just because lots of people are trying to use it. You sad, sad nerds. And if you did take it down, screw you. Taking down something people enjoy just to get your jollies. You're a scumbag and no one likes you. Yeah. And you listen to this podcast, obviously. And hopefully you don't hack us. <laughs> well, Hacking the weekend show. Before this becomes the Pokemon Go podcast, we'll, we'll move on to our next story, Gar. Yeah, I'll have, I'll have Tanner on later in the week. Although it's not exactly a million miles away, because it's still Nintendo-related. Nintendo do Pokemon games, so it's a good segue there. Yes, Nintendo do own some of... Well, they own some of Pokemon. The, the, in, introducing Niantic into the Pokemon relationship makes it even more confusing. Yeah. Because Niantic make the app. Yeah. The Pokemon company owns Pokemon and, and, like, operates Pokemon, and then you have different actions of the pokemon company that actually deal with licensing and deal with making games and nintendo publishes this stuff and then you have the pokemon company international which markets it and you have game freak which makes the games and then you have nintendo who i'm pretty sure own the copyright to all of it 
Yeah. Like, I don't think the Pokemon Company or Game Freak own Pikachu. Nintendo owns Pikachu. But they split the profits. So Nintendo, I think, get 10% of the app, uh, of the money from the app. And then they would get a portion of the Pokemon Company's profits based on the fact that they own 33% of the Pokemon Company. It's all very confusing. <laughs> it's it's a, a big circle. And introduced Niantic into it. It's like, like even more people just in that Pokemon relationship. Yes. So yeah, Nintendo share prices went up, I think, 80% in the last week. Yeah, from Pokemon Go. It's just insane. Insane. And speaking of Nintendo, they're attempting to capitalize on this with the announcement that they're to re-release the original NES with 30 games preloaded. Well, you say capitalize on it. They, they've had this in the running for long. <laughs> I know, but they've used the, the wave of momentum of Pokemon Go to make the announcement, Garrett. That's yeah. what I was alluding to. And nostalgia. Of course. Nostalgia is big business these days. We've said it a lot of times on this podcast because like you're hitting the sweet spot where like kiddies would like see Pokemon Go and like, yeah, I want to play that. Of course yeah. I want to play that. I'm a kid. And then people in their 20s and 30s who grew up with this stuff are just like, of course I want to play that because my life is miserable now and I want to reconnect <laughs> with my youth. Exactly. Um, so I am very into this, Gar. And I was like, when I heard about this, because it's getting a bit of an upgrade as well. They're going to add HDMI support, obviously, because most TVs have that kind of uh, connectivity. They these don't days. have an AV cable anymore. Well, yeah. I think TVs do have an AV slot these days, but no one uses it, except if you want to hook up a Wii. Yeah. For me, I thought this was going to cost like quite a chunk of money with that kind of... Like, for that kind of you know upgrade and you know the games on it but apparently it's only going to cost 60 dollars yeah it's, it's it's a little tiny nes with, with 30 games preloaded onto it because it's not actually like a gaming device yeah you know it can't connect to the internet you can't like load different games into it it's it's just a system that plays those 30 games and that's it it's like a little jukebox yeah of games and it's like uh, super mario bros 1 2 and 3 legend of zelda legend of zelda 2 adventures of link balloon fight actually this week is is the the anniversary of the death of satoru iwata so mentioning balloon fight a game he had a, a great deal of contributions toward and even he, he was rather instrumental in the early stages of pokemon as well he so, also uh, is rather instrumental in the early days of this podcast care yeah these are most listened to episodes where we, we pay tribute to him so or ip mr iwata or ip but uh the good the controller, which is going to be modeled after the classic controller, will cost a further ten dollars. But for for thirty games and you know that retro goodness, seventy dollars is not a lot of money. No, you get a controller in the box too. But there's the further controller. If yeah, you if you want an extra controller yeah, to play yeah. two player. Yeah. You you have to shell out another tenner. Yeah, but like you're you're probably going to get a, want to get another one, aren't you? Well, uh, what two uh, balloon fight is two player. Um, Excite Bike is probably two player. I don't know. There there are some two player games in there. It's interesting because this isn't just Nintendo. For example, they got Square Enix on board. They have the original Final Fantasy in there. They have like the likes of Bandai Namco and and Konami in there. So you know they they have Pac Man. They have Castlevania. So it's not just Nintendo games. There there's classic NES games across the board. It's cool. And uh, in case you're interested, it'll be hitting stores on November 11th. I'm not sure that's a US release date. We're not sure about Europe yet. I'm pretty sure it's the 11th in Europe as well. I know exactly what I'm getting Carrot for Christmas. <laughs> Unless I'm I buy it first. I'm also going to buy myself one. Yeah. And be warned, NES games are hard. Yeah. That those that were, were in an age when games were like you couldn't save. Yeah. You, 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 they, they, were, they weren't badly made because at the time those were the technical specifications of the time. Mm -hmm. but, but based on those technical specifications, these games are hard. Yeah. A lot of these games are just hard. You may want to buy two because you may in fact smash the first one. Yeah. And for 60 bucks, well, $60, I think the, the UK prices have come in around 53 pounds. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen euro prices yet. Probably about 70 euro, I would say. Yeah, 60, 70 euro. It's 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 a decent value. If you wanted to buy all the exact same games on the the like the Wii U eShop, yeah. or at least the equivalent, I'm not sure all of them have been released on the Wii U eShop. 
but I think it costs somewhere in the region of $120 to $140. So it's a big saving. So you're getting the system, the controller, and all of those gamers for, for half the price. It's not bad. Nice. And you can just plug it into your TV and play it. Fantastic. Indeed. We, we might do a review when it comes out. Maybe we will. We, we might do some videos of me schooling you at Super Mario Bros., even though I'm not really that very good at Super Mario Bros. I'm very good at that, because it's the only game I can play good. Well, you're not good at Mario games either, Ken. <laughs> the early Mario games I'm very good at. Sure. I also got a perfect game in Wario, which you did not. Well, you never beat Wario until I told you how to do it, so. It's perfect, Gar. I'm the perfect one. You got, well, he gets a planet in the end, doesn't he? Yeah, he gets a planet. All you got was a measly castle, Gar. I, I was happy. I, I think I got a birdhouse the first time I played yeah. it. <laughs> if, yeah. you, if you don't know what we're talking about, it, it's, uh, I think, Warrior Land 2 or 3. It was a very early example of, like, um, iterated endings. Yeah. You know, like, so, like, depending on how you play the game, depending on what you collect and, and how well you play the game, you get different endings. Because, yeah, you, you'd have to collect gems and, and, and gold because Wario is a cash-hungry whore who wants all the money he can get. And the size of your house at the end depends on how much money you get. The so, worst being a birdhouse, I think, and the best being a planet. Yeah, so what I did was I basically played the whole game twice. Yep. Good job, Ken. Yeah. He couldn't beat it the first time, though, until I told him to beat it. Luigi's Mansion had a similar mechanic where it's like you, you got a bigger and bigger mansion depending how much money you got throughout the game. Nice. Let's move on. Our next story, Garth, I just wanted to mention because of how gross it is. Mick Jagger of the Rolling Stones, as if I had to say it, is expecting his eighth child at the age of 72 with his 29-year-old ballet dancer partner. Living the dream. Living the dream. Some of them, his kids were probably closer to, you know, 50s, I would say, depending when he had his first child. I have child. no idea what the age of Mick Jagger's children are. <laughs> you know, but like he probably had kids in the 70s or whatever. Do you know what I mean? You'd assume so. Uh, so his kids are like 40s and then they're going to have siblings that are babies. Yeah. That's so weird. Also, he might die. He may die. But he, he'll probably leave them plenty of money. Uh, yeah, because they're still touring. In fact, they have a show in London coming up. And I saw a poster in which, which they uh, all looked incredibly decrepit and old. Well, he is 72, Ken. There's one guy who just looks like they let him out of the nursing home for the day. I don't know which one he was. Oh. He's not one of the famous ones. Playing the guitar. But yeah. Not said about that. You don't think old people can have babies, Ken? I have a kind of a moral quandary about this because like, I suppose like since he's rich and he will leave them a lot of money and the mother is young, it makes sense. But like you read these stories of like, you know, single mothers, like women in their 60s deciding to have babies just because for some reason they can. And then, but like what happens when they die? Do you know? Yeah. Do you leave but orphans behind? Mother's 29. Your dad's Mick Jagger. It's a pretty cool story. It's like my dad is Mick Jagger. Yeah. And you listen to that song, Moves Like Jagger and it's vomit into a bin <laughs> my dad finally Gar wrapping up our stories our headlines before we uh, make a, a selection the new Ghostbusters film has been denied a release in China due to strict propaganda laws what what is what pro, the, China's anti-ghost yes it's <laughs> actually true that's, that's actually the reason I actually this one took a bit of explaining so I actually took a bit of, uh, of notes on this uh, China enforces strict censorship on foreign films as we all know and one of the particular aspects of this is an outright ban on any film that features ghosts so yeah so like patrick swayze is public really? enemy number one over in china <laughs> yeah in chinese culture spirits and ghosts played a huge part and were highly revered and respected you know in their culture and their religions of, of the past however with the arrival of communism in china 
secularism was enforced and any depiction of ghost spirits or ghouls was expressly forbidden. So they're afraid that the ghosts in Ghostbusters will cause a collapse of communism. <laughs> yes. People will question their beliefs so much. It's like we should go back to those ghosts and spirits based religions because of Slimer. Yes. Slimer is our god now. All hail Slimer. Uh, the ghost of Tama. Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest was banned in China as well as Russell Crowe's Noah for the same reason. So that's good. Noah had ghosts? Yeah, I think so. I don't remember ghosts in Noah. Uh, there was, yeah. Was there? Yeah. I don't remember. I remember like rock like angels. monsters. There was angels. Well, well, that's the same thing. I don't remember angels either. I remember the rock monsters. They were fallen angels. Well, they're rock monsters. But yeah, it's a big. it's a big blow for the new Ghostbusters film as... China's the second biggest market in the world. Which and you're going to see tonight, by the way. I am. When you hate it because there's women in it. No, I don't hate it. I was apprehensive. I just thought it was kind of girl power for the sake of it, but I will give it a chance. Ken's a horrible sexist. I've seen good reviews, so I'm pretty happy about it. So, Gar, let's do this. From five to one, what do you think? Number five. Uh, Mick Jagger. Mick Jagger, who cares about that guy? <laughs> yeah. You've had enough children now. Yeah. Stop it. It's just, it's just attention seeking at this point. Number four, Portugal win the Euros, I would say. Just based on the fact that it was a week ago. <laughs> yeah. Number three, Gar? Um, China. China, yeah. That's just bizarre enough to kind of get a mid-table mid, mid spot. Uh, number two, I would say NES, Gar. Yep. Portland, and, little tiny portal out of NES. And not surprisingly, number one is Pokemon Go takes over the world. They, literally, that's not even hyper, hyper, hyperbole. It's not even some hyperbole, Ken. Or hyperbole, if you prefer, but I prefer hyperbole. It's it's literally taking over the world. It's actually frightening. Like people just like and like every desperate like old celebrity trying to get like in on it, looking hip and young, because like I'm playing Pokemon Go, like or Pokemon as they call it in America. Pokemon's plural. <sighs> old people. I know. Do you agree with our top story? Let us know your pick on Twitter at TWSKG. Or if you're a Facebook guy, you can share your thoughts on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash TWSKK. We will be right back after our first break with the welcome return of the weekend show tradition that is Netflix. So do stay tuned. You're listening to the Weekend Show Podcast with Ken Kidney. Download a new episode every Saturday at soundcloud.com slash TWSKK or find us on iTunes. Now it's time for Netflix. You are listening to The Weekend Show with myself, Ken Kidney, and my wonderful co-host, Garrett. I am wonderful, that's a fact. I'm lavishing praise on you. Thank you. You're welcome. I'm alluringly wonderful. As you may know by now, young Garrett and I know a thing or two about what's good on the internet for your entertainment. We have many tips that are, we are just itching to share, so on that fateful day in May 2015, Netflix was born. Wordplay. Long story short, it's time for Netflix. With our backs now firmly padded, what have you got for us first this week, Gar? While we were on our week's hiatus, because we couldn't get a show done, Summer Games Done Quick happened, and then there was a lot of speedruns, one of my favourites of which was Pepsi Man. Now, if you've never heard of Pepsi Man, it is basically product placement come to life times Japanese culture. Because this was a game that was only released in Japan, and it's basically like, you know, one of those endless runner games, you know, Temple Run, yeah, that kind of thing, or Minion Rush, those kind of games. It's basically one of them, except it's a Pepsi mascot, which in um, Japanese, you know, Ultraman in Japan. Yeah. Kind of looks like him, except Pepsi branded. Right. And he's running along the street and there's like Pepsi trucks dropping Pepsi cans in front of him and Pepsi everywhere and Pepsi billboards and Pepsi people just hanging off of their Pepsi places. And it's like literally Pepsi come to life. And there's these hilarious cutscenes of, of this like large man 
belching, being like a stereotypical American going like, Pepsi, it's great. <laughs> it's amazing. You can even force a burp to sell it, care. There you go. Well done. There you go. You, you see, you have to swallow your own breath and burp it back up. Back up. That's how you burp on cue. Interesting. Yeah, we've, we've learned something. <laughs> anyway, terribly useful today. Uh, it is burping on cue is very useful. Um, but like the speed run was interesting enough. But then it, it's just the fact that this game is weird and bizarre. And I almost want to buy it, but you you have to pay like fifty bucks to get an import copy. I'm not sure it'll work on a PS3, so I'm not going to take that chance. But like the Yeti did have a Pepsi Man shirt that uh, some of the proceeds went to charity and I bought one of those because why not? <laughs> and it's amazing. Pepsi Man. I'm surprised Japan didn't call something like Super Ultra Pepsi Man. I'm, I'm sure they do. That's probably a Japanese name for the game. Pepsi Cola. It's very racist, Ken. It's not racist. It's an homage. I keep saying that. So, yeah, you can see that speedrun of Pepsi Man from Summer Games Done Quick on YouTube. Okay, we're staying in Asia for my first pick. My first one is the propaganda game. It's a, it's a documentary on Netflix about the mysterious nation of North Korea. So it just takes you into the mysterious and ironically named Democratic Republic of of Korea. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Democratic People's Republic of Korea. It's very democratic. Yes. It takes kind of a rare look inside the regime. Basically, for some reason, there's this fella from Spain. He was a communist in Spain, but he kind of became disillusioned by uh, Spanish communists because... Basically, you know, communism is great in theory, but at the, if at the head you have a selfish leader, then, you know, it, it breaks down into basically a dictatorship, yeah. um, which is kind of ironic. And so he gravitated towards the ethos of uh, North Korea uh, and its philosophy called Jush, created by, um, I'm trying to go backwards now, there's King Jong-il, who was the dad of yeah. the current guy. We have Oon at the moment. Uh Kim Il Sun or something like that. Learn your Korean he leaders. I don't know, but like it's crazy. When King Jong il died, the national mourning was just like insane. Well, well national quote unquote mourning. People wailing in the streets. There was a giant uh, well people quote unquote wailing in the streets. But um there was a giant statue of his dad in the square, uh, and they built another giant statue of him. So I'm assuming when King Jong-un dies, there's going to be another one next to that. Yeah, the Korea is a strange and bizarre and frankly terrifying country. Well, North Korea, South Korea is a, um, a progressive and modern country. But the point is, uh, this Spanish filmmaker kind of got in cahoots with this guy because for some reason he's a high-ranking official in the North Korean government now. This Spanish guy is really bizarre. And like, he's really brainwashed. He really like, he's really adept. Like, you know, when they question him, he, like, he has like answers like this to deflect reasons. Like, like everything that they went to was like, prepared by the government so you can't go anywhere on your own yep. and you get guided to these things that they've created. Literally public events of just people worshipping Kim Jong-un. And uh, one of the things is no American brands are allowed in North Korea. Yeah. And he pointed behind them and went, there's a Coca-Cola fridge over there. <laughs> and he was just like, uh, what, what's your explanation for that? And like, without blinking an eye, he goes, he goes like, um, we haven't got enough uh, national production of fridges in North Korea, so we import them from China and they come like that. You could rebrand them. Bam. It's <laughs> just like... <laughs> Yeah, the, 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 like everything, if, if any foreign jar journalists are ever brought into North Korea, everything they see is manufactured. Like there's, there's this really creepy thing when they went into a classroom with children who were singing a song about glor the glorification of the leader Kim Jong-un. And all the kids had their eyebrows manicured and they were wearing makeup and like to make them look perfect and happy. And it's terrifying. There, that country, there is the horrible and horrible, there's, dreadful things happening there was this in that country. There's a hospital there and, and they have free healthcare. I'm doing air quotes now. 
the hospital was empty and they had no medicine in it. Well, even yeah, just a hospital. You have to put air quotes around. They built this giant war museum in uh, in honor of Kim Jong Il and his dad before him. That only military people go to, and it costs uh, millions and billions. Don't they have a replica of like most of the thing. world's monuments in North Korea? It's yeah, it's just bonkers stuff. Like and like nobody knows where the money comes from. In the nineties, they had a big famine, and basically they kind of allowed a black market for free trade as such, which they tried to claw back when they kind of things started going better. But it's like you you can once you kind of release the market, it's, it's kind of not possible to bring it back again. But uh, without going into too much detail, it, uh, and it's kind of an interesting thing because it doesn't kind of full on say North Korea is bonkers. All the stuff that they say happened happened. Like one of the things was when King Jong Un took over, one of his his uncle quotes. I don't think it was even his uncle, but it was like a high ranking military official, uh, basically, kind of got too paddy with China, and was a proponent of reform and all this stuff. And uh, so they killed him. They had him killed. Yeah, so uh, kill people. But there was this rumor that they had him fed to the dogs, and then they were like, "Yeah, that's not necessarily true." And so it asked an interesting question: is like, or is it? <laughs> how much Western media coverage is accurate? Uh, it even goes as far as to say that we kind of misinterpret or sensationalize events in North Korea. Because, like, you know, the fact is that the, the policy of secrecy results in a lack of information. So they think as a result that could be like misunderstanding, you know, or... Sure. Or filling things up. But it, it is a very interesting look at the whole regime. Uh, it, it talks about... It talks from people inside the, the regime and outside, you know, kind of high-ranking officials and defectors alike. So that's the propaganda game on Netflix. It's about an hour and a half, so it's not too much of an investment. But you will sit there for the entire time with a kind of a look of confusion slash sadness on your face you're just like and then almost morbid intrigue what yeah that this is a country that operates the way it does in a way that oppresses its people yeah. in such a horrible horrific brutal way yeah i watched this with my girlfriend and every five seconds she was like what 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 <laughs> what what is this that's the way the country works yeah so north korea fascinating but terrifying yep my my second pick again i've been watching a lot of scream lately and i think i did a netflix on scream last year too but this is Scream season two, so of course it's different. I can't work out why I like this show. <laughs> because like the core of the original Scream films was that it was taking the piss out of horror. You know, it was, why would the person run up the stairs when she could run out the door? Yeah. That was the kind of the premise. Why, why, why does all of this stuff happen in horror films when it is patently ridiculous? And there is some of that in this show. There is one particular character who, who references that in practically every episode. But for the most part... This show is the kind of horror film or horror show as it turns out to be that the original films were satirizing. So it's like straight horror. Yeah, more or less. It's undercut every now and again, but for the most part, it's just straight horror. That's not what Scream was. No, it's not, which I find it interesting. And every time it's not what I want, like I want it to be what the Scream films were, but yet I still watch it like I like this. Because it's, it's basically, it, it's it's made by MTV. So you, you know what a show made by MTV is going to be like. It's good looking people having teenager problems. But yeah. still, stupidly good looking people. There's one person on this show who I insist is like 45 playing like a 17 year old. Yeah. It's like, he, he is not 17 or 16. I hope they actually reveal that he is not like 16. Because he doesn't even look like like in his 20s. He looks at the very least in his 30s. Gary, if you go by the logic of this film, Gary, it's totally him. Yeah, it's a killer because he's just pretending to be a teenager. Yeah, I, I, I'd be fine with that because it would make sense because he doesn't look like a teenager. That's all he wanted a scream guard, this guy, this guy to make sense. Yeah, but yeah, I can't try to say why I like it. I can't really come up with reasons why I enjoy the show other than it probably appeals to my 
dumb liking MTV. Did you just sniff yourself? I just sniffed myself. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Ken, in the middle of me talking, lifted his own shirt and just just took took a little whiff just to see how he smelled. Yeah, it's very hot in here, and I I just got <laughs> I literally got out of bed to do this podcast, so I'm pretty whiffy at the moment. Yeah, I'm surprised. Like like uh, we were talking before the podcast, I'm surprised if you can't smell us just because I, I walked an hour and a quarter down here. I'm melting. We have Wi-Fi and Wi-Fi in this apartment. Way, well, hey. <laughs> he's very proud of himself. I so am very proud of that. That scream. It's on. It's currently season two is airing on MTV in the US. You can watch it on Netflix if you're over in the UK and Ireland. New Yay. episodes. It's one of those new episodes every week kind of thing. So that's neat. That's pretty cool. There, as I may have noted earlier, I was in London and I went to see mm. two musicals. London. The second of which was a uh, beautiful London. The Carol King musical. So London. Sorry. It's a based on the life and music of Carol King. Never who heard is of Carol King? Never heard of her girl? <laughs> yeah. I, I literally didn't see that. In the, it's just like, what? Who is she? Trust me, you'll know her songs. Um, the Eponymous Beautiful, You've Got a Friend, Locomotion, Natural Woman, Will You Still Love Me Tomorrow? Oh, I know uh, Will You Still Love Me Tomorrow. Okay. Take care, Take good care of my baby. No. no like, you, you know you've got a friend. You just call up my name and I'll be there if I win. You've got a friend. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. You, you made me sing, you, 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 made me sing. you could have just sang the You've Got a Friend bit and I would have yeah. known it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's available on, you know, Spotify, the the cast recording. It's, it's not the UK one. And the UK guys gave it socks, so they're pretty good. But uh, the original Broadway cast recording is available on Spotify, Apple Music and all good music providers. You can even find it on uh, YouTube if you want to have a look. Sure. It's probably on like their Vivo or whatever. But uh, like never like it's, it's one of those interesting times where like. I didn't know who Carol King was before either. And he was just like one of those people that like had such an influence on music. She's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But like Apparently, so is everyone at this stage. <laughs> but you wouldn't know her name, but she's like you just know her work. It's kind of interesting, isn't it? Like those yeah. people, her song has become such a standard that like you know, like you kind of know them instinctively, but you don't know who created them. But now I do. Yeah. So that's the beautiful cast recording of the original Broadway musical on Spotify. Or any good music tunes provider. And also, I assume, just in general, the music of Carol King. The music of Carol King, which is also on Spotify. And uh, she's a very talented person uh, with a very interesting life. So if uh, while you're listening to her tunes, uh, feel free to read her Wikipedia page because this makes her quite an interesting uh, uh, read. So there. Sure. We've reached the end, Gar. We, we've, we've come to the end of another carton of pop culture. We will be sure to put it back in the fridge to remind us to get more in time for next week. Or it'll just be stale and it'll be the same picks again. Sorry. Hey, it's, a, it's a system. <laughs> if you check out any of our picks, be sure to congratulate us on our excellent selections on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash TWSKK or on Twitter at TWSKK. Yeah, just pass on the back. Thanks, guys. Time now for break number two before we try our hand at redeeming the box office bomb that was The Good Dinosaur. So come right back. You're listening to the Weekend Show Podcast with Ken Kidney. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash TWSKK, Twitter at TWSKK, or search for TWSKK on YouTube. You're very welcome back to the Weekend Show. We're fond of a sequel here at the Weekend Show, so this week, Do Over returns for another edition, but we're not talking about a sequel, Ken. No, we're not. If you did not hear our attempt to save George Clooney's Tomorrowland, in which Ken removed George Clooney from Tomorrowland. Heathenous. Uh, and I lost to the process. Do Over is a neat little segment where we exercise the ghosts of pop culture's past by rewriting universally hated, or well, universally hated as harsh in the, in the case of this film. Yeah. It has 74% on Rotten Tomatoes. That's more like, nah, 
<laughs> a piece of pop culture to make them beloved classics, like all the Disney classics or Pixar classics in this case. It's strange how we've done Disney films the last two ones. Well, we do everything Disney on the show. We do. In the spirit of healthy competition and fan interaction, me and Ken will be going head to head by offering our, each our own fresh takes on the film before asking you to vote on a winner. Uh, by the way, our fantasy draft, if you'd remember, it ended 3-3. Yeah. It ended in a tie. So um, that's a draw. That's a draw, but I won really. In this latest entry, as we kind of danced around a few times already, we do Pixar's first bona fide box office failure, The Good Dinosaur, starring the voices of Raymond Ochoa, Jack Bright, Sam Elliott, and Anna Paquin. This film made 331.9 million from a 200 million budget, because it's not a huge flop. It's considered Pixar's first flop, though. It probably lost money, too. Well, it probably made money on like licensing merchandise and, and brand deals and all that. See, like, I don't believe in a flop in the digital age, Gar, because... We, we discussed this, yeah. You can send it out in streaming rights, you can release a DVD, you can release it on Blu-ray, you can sell it to seven different markets for, yeah. to show it on, like, a paid cable TV. Yeah. You can make money on this more than just the box office numbers. Yeah. So the life cycle of a film is a lot longer these days, and the facets from which you can make money, as you said, Gar, are much greater, so... I think this film will, will be profitable over time. And like the piece of work exists long after this film was in the cinema. Exactly. You so. know, Disney will be making money off of this film in some way or another still in 20, 30 years time. So there you go. Yeah. Let's just break it down uh, critically. Here. So as you said, it got 77% on Rotten Tomatoes from 183 reviews with an average rating of 6.5 out of 10. The site's consensus reads that The Good Dinosaur delivers thrillingly beautiful animation in service of a worthy story that even if it doesn't quite live up to the, the lofty standards set by Pixar, still adds up to charming, family-friendly entertainment. It's funny when Pixar have such a standard of quality that 77% on Rotten Tomatoes is kind of a failure. It's considered a disappointment. <laughs> Anything below 80 is just like, God, what are you doing, guys? For a long time, Inside Out had 100%. Yeah, but like but traditionally their films usually have like 95 to 100. Yeah, so... Metacritic has scored the film at 66 out of 100 based on 37 critics' reviews, indicating generally favourable reviews. Yeah, on the whole. People, people didn't hate this film. Cinema people were just like, it's it's pretty good. <laughs> Cinema score gave an average grade of A for, on an A plus to F scale. So I'm pretty sure every film gets at least a B plus or higher on Cinema score, though. <laughs> so we might take Cinema score out the next time. IMDb gave it 3.5 out of 5 stars. And it's important to note, like I like to note in, in, in do over some mitigating circumstances that may have caused it to underperform. Due to delays, the film was released right after Inside Out, the first time Pixar had released two features in one year. Because this film was totally reworked. Yeah. Yeah, it was like totally overhauled. Yeah. So uh, an experiment I don't think they'll be repeating anytime soon, it seems. When I watched this, I watched this around Christmas, Christmas Eve, in fact. I watched this last night. A lot of people were really, really unkind to it. And it's like, yeah, it's a bit typical. Uh, like some people just thought it was really derivative of their other work. Like, like I can admit myself, I see hints of Brother Bear, which is actually kind of a, a bit like The Lion King, I watched, which is why I saw The Lion King in there. Yeah, when you look at like The, the Lion King, which but we inherently have to spoil this film to talk about how we'd fix it. Yeah. So you have your warning, spoilers go watch the film or if you don't care just keep on listening but yeah, yeah like they, they do the Mufasa scene yeah. where they kill off his dad and they even do like the remember who you are scene toward yeah. the end yeah. and they have the, the pterodactyls who are basically the hyenas or the, the vultures from the jungle book exactly and the jungle book in general kid gets lost wanders through field meets a bunch of characters gets home that's the, that's the plot of this film it's the plot of the jungle book and I actually don't really have a problem with that that's yeah. not what I have a problem with. Actually, that's one of the better parts of this film in my book. I don't I don't have a problem with something being derivative of works if it's good in its own right. Yeah. 
but the trope of killing off the Disney parent has continued. That's uh, no. I'll wait. I'll wait until I actually <laughs> do my do my do over. Okay. So, Gar, as a sporting man, since you went first last time, I will do the honors this time. Yep. And you tried to uh, play. <laughs> I, I tried the big league last time. I tried to call dibs. Yeah. Can, let it let it be noted. Ken overruled dibs to go first. So you know. Take take that into account when you're voting. I overruled dibs with fairness because you went first the last time. Sure. So, um, first the rules. For without rules, there would be chaos. And we like a bit of chaos, but eh. (laughs) You have three minutes to make your case and propose the changes that you've made. You can make up to five changes, but you have to lock them in before the time runs out or else they shall be stricken from the record. I'll probably just end up talking for five minutes or three minutes without making specific... This is my one. (laughs) But still. So... Get everything you can in in three minutes. Yeah, basically that's it. And I'm going to put three minutes on the clock, so... And heckling is allowed. Heckling is allowed. Ready, steady, go. First change. I'm not going to kill off the dad. Oh, God, you stole my first change. (laughs) Damn it! So, in my version of the story, basically, there is the, the scene where he gets swept away, but they both get swept away, so... Like, in the early portion, uh, Arlo was on his own, so he has to learn to be independent and be brave. But then he's reunited with his dad, who's weakened and, like, hurt and, like... So you reverse the roles. Yeah. So it's it's kind of like... like the, the story is basically a role reversal in the first place, because Spot is the feral human who should be, like... In normal depictions, the human is the smart one and the leader. It's a boy and his dog, except the dog is the boy and the boy is a dinosaur. Yeah, exactly. So... Um, Basically, what I would do is I would have that same story, except with the dad. So the dad learns to respect the son and he makes his mark by showing his worth to the dad. Okay. Uh, That leads me on to my second point. In that way... You seem so nervous. I know. (laughs) I don't want to say this because people actually quite like this character. I would actually take Spot out. You just... You basically (laughs) do-overed my (laughs) do-over. You see, my my do-over is take the dad... uh, Don't kill off the dad. I wouldn't bring him on the journey. But uh, kill off the dad and take out Spot and do Homeward Bound. He meets a bunch of characters and they they make him stronger and better. And then when he gets home, he uses those experiences to to fix the silo and and keep his family fed. That's that's my plot. Now I have to come up with something different. You have another minute and a half to finish this one out. Um, uh, another thing I would do is I would pull back on the photorealism because I found that it was quite like why it's quite impressive. They render kind of grass and, you know, clouds and water really well. It kind of jarred with the kind of kind of cartoony characters. I don't look beautiful, though. Yeah, it did. It, like I have to say, this is one of the most beautiful uh, animated films I've ever seen. It, it is quite the achievement, but I would remove that. Uh, not remove it. I would pull it back a little bit because it, it can be quite jarring. That's another thing I have there. You have a minute. I have a minute. I'm reaching out, Gar. That's because I made my kind of big changes, really. <laughs> I've kind of legitimized your big changes by saying they were, they would have been my go-to big changes. Another change I would make is that instead of the pterodactyls being the threat, because I thought they were a bit weak and derivative of other works, I would have I would have I would have actually made man be the threat. You see, that, that that's where we differ. Yeah. I would have taken man out of this film altogether. Yeah. yeah so man would be the threat, and I would actually move it into the modern day. So that's my other, my fourth one here. So like, basically dinosaurs have become kind of a, like, you know, like humans are bastards. So anything that they can kill and hunt, they will. So basically humans hunt dinosaurs for sport. So if, since like, because they're like, so the dinosaurs live in their own dinosaur area where they're safe, but they've actually been washed downstream to ten uh, seconds to human land. So in human land, they had to survive when the humans tried to hunt them. And then that's the story. And it's a father and son. Three, two one and you're done
Um, do you want me to? Okay, do you want me to coach it in go? Not really. You, you still have my do-overing. Do you want? So this is the reason I wanted the big league you and go. I actually thought you'd go for something else, yeah. but I, I was worried you would just basically because yeah, that that's uh, this, what I thought worked about this film was Arlo on his journey home. Yeah. Because like toward the end, I'm I'm not doing. I'm just talking, Ken. I haven't started yet. St- stop the timer. You just I thought you start you started talking. Gary, I'm, I'm just just talking about the film in general because like the the big scene at the end of the film is is again spoilers where, where Spot meets what is actually his family and and goes away with them. It's not his family. His family is dead. Gary. But, but, but he meets a family and goes away with them. Yes. Yes. He meets new humans. That's in theory. That's the biggest emotional punch of the film. That should. That's the emotional climax. Fair enough. Harlow uh, goes home and meets his family immediately after. But that should be the emotional punch, and it doesn't work. You know. Yeah. Whereas uh, Arlo meeting his family and reuniting with his mom, it's like, yep, that's 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 what I want. So yeah, you basically stole all my do-overing. Yeah. So now I have to come up with yeah. a do-over. <laughs> okay, I'll give you ten more seconds. Before, uh... No, no, you can go. Okay. So now I have to go to my backup do-over because I'm prepared, Ken. I have backup do-overs in case you steal my do-over. Go ahead. The core <laughs> idea of this film, based on the trailers, is what if the meteor missed. Mm-hmm. that's that's the very core premise and you hinted toward this and like again if if i was doing my first first do over i wouldn't have brought the film into the modern age whereas here i am bringing the film into the modern age but ken i toyed with that idea humans are dead what why would he the humans couldn't live side by side with dinosaurs they, they caught a, a good break dinosaurs would rip them to shreds so we live in a slightly technological society led by dinosaurs interesting yeah I don't know what the plot's going to be. <laughs> Dinosaurs living in, in modern times, uh, T-Rexes with their hands, trying to work phones, that kind of stuff. So what you're saying is Zootopia with dinosaurs. Basically, but I haven't seen Zootopia, so I can't actually comment. That's Zootropolis in this part of the world can get it right. What ifs? So yeah, I, I, w- I would expand on the idea that dinosaurs are intelligent, sentient creatures that weren't killed. Because that, that's kind of the, the idea in this film, that the dinosaur is the intelligent one and the, the human is basically a dog. Yeah. He's literally a dog. <laughs> I had a, I had a similar idea. Actually, that was one, like I was toying between the not killing off the dad and moving it to the modern day as the as the centerpiece. But I decided to have that as an afterthought. Yeah, you just threw it in there, didn't yeah. you? You just lumped it in there, moving it to the modern day, which I think undercuts your idea because I think that doesn't work as well in the modern day. But I just like the idea of like you know the kind of threat of of man being intensified by the fact that they have technology and like that they hunt these dinosaurs for sport but where would the men get the technology they'd just be killed by dinosaurs quite dinosaurs get the technology because they could become smarter it's the dinosaurs that evolved because they killed off the humans and they didn't get killed by a giant meteor interesting you have just over a minute left here yeah i have very little to hang this film on because <laughs> i didn't think as much about my backup um but yeah dinosaurs living living in modern times because uh, yeah. like the, the opening of this film is basically the dinosaurs living on the farm you know just uh, having a nice farm life <laughs> I was really into that. It's like, yeah. yeah, dinosaurs. I could watch this for an hour and a half. Yeah, the second they introduced humans, I was like, nah, I'm losing interest. So yeah. basically, I'd expand on the idea of dinosaurs living in a dinosaur society by themselves, so it's dealing mixed- with dinosaur problems. So it's a mixture of Zootropolis and the Jim Henson show dinosaurs. Basically. Okay. That's it. Because <laughs> you stole my do-over. <laughs> you, got- <laughs> you even st- threw in other do-over elements that, that just are like, I'm going to throw it in just because. you got 30 seconds left. I, I would probably tweak yours a little bit in that they think man is extinct, but actually they are there. Nah, it's a shitty twist. No, it's a cool twist. It's a dumb twist. So, the film about dinosaurs, as I said, the, 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 it, it's the humans that took me out of the good dinosaur. So I'm taking the humans out of the good dinosaur. 
I think I have one car. Yeah, well, well, we'll see. We'll see. Basically, I insist on going first because I knew that we had we would have similar ideas. So. Yeah, even just Mufasaing the dad. You see, as I said, I, I'd make two changes. I wouldn't kill off the dad, but I wouldn't take the dad with Spot. No. Or with Arlo. I, I'd take Spot out of the film altogether because I, I don't think his, his stuff works. Yeah. And it's just Arlo meeting people. It's Homeward Bound with Arlo as a dinosaur wandering through meeting dinosaur characters. Like that, that weird guy he met with all the the, the things that he, he had defending him. You do know you were allowed to present that idea because it's slightly different. It's not slightly different. It's the same idea. <laughs> it's just your idea, but better. Anyway. <laughs> no, I win. Oh. Uh, well, no, this is democratic and you cannot declare yourself winner. Okay, okay fine. The hubris yeah. of him. Yeah, that's what people should be seeing. The hubris of Ken. But like, you know, when he met that that uh, weird dinosaur man who collected different animals to protect yeah. him from other things. Yeah. That was hilarious. And there yeah. was like, the oh, this one is dream crusher to yeah. prevent my me from having overly realistic ambitions. <laughs> I was like, yes. That's, that was a really great line. And there's a really fantastic part in this film where they eat uh, dodgy berries and they start hallucinating. Yeah, but like you, really you can literally take spot out of all of these scenes. The only scene... With in with spot in it that in this film that actually kind of works is is when they're like we're both orphans yeah you know it's circling the the families and then knocking them over and burying them it's like me in the fields, oh yeah. good god he buried the little twig yeah. he buried the little twig um uh, my my main i know we tried to fix it but my main sum up in in this film really is that it's not as bad as people were saying it's solid it's absolutely beautiful to look at which i think again is your your biggest thing yeah. you, you take out the lovely beautifulness of the film i just think that it should be more balanced that's what, that was my point it looks lovely like there's a scene it's not even a scene it's literally just a cutaway shot of them just wandering past a, a, a sun setting and it's like silhouetted and orange and black and it's just like good god this is gorgeous how have they created this in pixels yeah Pixar, um, Pixar, do good work. But Karen, now we've done all we can. Who wins? You decide. It's me. You, no, it's not. I'm just going to declare myself winner. You, you just totally, Gary, you, you shit the bed on this one. Well, you stole my do-over. You can make your voice heard in our Twitter poll. Voting opens tomorrow at TWSKK. Let us know how you'd fix a good dinosaur on Twitter. Or, or if, if you just love the film in general. Or, or if you prefer, you can drop us a line on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash TWSKK. I was getting to it. You, you can it's vote. in the script here you can vote for me yeah i'm saying if you firmly believe that the good dinosaur is a masterpiece and we don't know what we're talking about and it should say untouched for all time don't be afraid to hit us up we do love a good fight yeah, it's a good film it's not a bad film yeah. it's a film that's worth watching yeah it's a, like it's... i sat there with my pringles and my marshmallows and my squashies last night which i bought without even thinking about watching this film but it's like yeah i'll watch the film i'm sitting there eat my pringles eat my squashies bubblegum squashies or gobble bum squashies as i like to call them mm. um, <laughs> And like having a good time. It's like a good film. And there are parts of this film, as I said, which I think are extraordinarily effective. So check it out. Basically anything with dinosaurs. And then the final scene where his dad uh, has been worried about him and he's dead and he comes back and, you know, he's just like, you have done well, son. Put your footprint on the silo. Actually, this film has a great score. That's another thing. Yeah, well, Disney films and picture films also good scores. I think it's Giacchino again this time. So no, it's not. It's it's two people whose names I do not remember. That was Giacchino. No, that was Inside Out. Sorry. Yeah, my mistake. So good score. Disney films. Uh, you know what? I'm changing my do over. What? I'm just I'm just not I'm not changing the film at all. Whoa. Yeah. Hot take. <laughs> there you go. So Ken Ken throwing everything out versus me just doing nothing. There you go. Just or the other one. Vote for me either way. <laughs> no, pick one. No. Just time for one more break before we wrap up the show with details on next week's episode. Stick around. You're
listening to the Weekend Show Podcast with Ken Kidney. Download a new episode every Saturday at SoundCloud.com slash TWSKK or find us on iTunes. Okay, trainers, that's our show for this week. Thank you, as always, for taking the time to click play or download on the podcast. Bum, 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 bum. You can normally... You're all, you're all healed now because you have a, a full show of podcasty goodness. That's well, the Poké Center noise, Ken. Well done, Gar. That's actually my least favorite thing about Pokemon Go, by the way. Yeah. Sound effects aren't quite right. No. It like, sounds kind of like the music from the game, but it's not. It's not the music from the game, especially when you catch a Pokemon. Yeah. The music when you catch a Pokemon has been the same for, for six, six generations. Because it's, it's awesome. It's not the same in Pokemon Go, and I don't like it. Yeah, we can talk about Pokemon Go in the future. We're trying to get out now. Tanner on Monday. Podcast today is a plug. You can normally find a new episode every week, mostly on Saturday, at soundcloud.com forward slash TWSKK, where you can also get your daily fix of podcast of the day starring Gar. It's me. He's in it. Gar Kidney, in case you don't know Gar. That's that, that, that this guy. Not that guy. In his terrible form of, of, I've forgotten the name of the film. The Good Dinosaur, I don't fall for Ken. You deserve to lose just for that now, Gar. He said Zootopia, he's saying. Make sure to bookmark the link or subscribe on iTunes so you never miss any of the podcasts on the TWS network. Speaking of which, if you love the show and you need everyone to know that you are the trendsetter that discovered us, you can be the first to write us a review on iTunes. Have we not gotten any reviews? No, we've asked this literally 50 times and nobody's ever done God damn it. So go quick before you lose your, your chance to be the first. We should give some kind of incentive. Yeah. We'll come to your house and entertain you for an evening. We will, but you'll have to fly us over and pay for expenses. Of course. Also, if you want to become a weekend show propagandist, you can bag some official TWS swag, including exclusive t-shirts on Redbubble. Check out the link to our official shop on Twitter. But don't if you don't want to. Every week with this. Every week. Gar, where can they find us on Twitter? At TWSKK, and they can find us at Facebook at facebook.com forward slash TWSKK, or on YouTube, just search TWSKK. I just went through the social plugs again, just to, I was Gar, on a roll. You rushed, Karen, you just rushed. You, you have to do it with a cadence and a gravitas like I do. Like with your with the newsreader voice. Exactly. Next week, we talk pop culture boomerangs. More on that intriguing title in the next episode. We were brought to you this week by our sponsor, the Democratic People's Republic of Korea. All hail our selfless leader, Kim Jong-un, and his glorious ancestors. And Dennis Rodman, his faithful servant. We are saying this completely of our own free will, we swear. Our famous team music is by the very talented Mr. John. And until next time, say goodbye, Gar. Bye-bye. Take it easy, everybody.